back. What makes you want to give up on something or someone? It's, um, it's a tough question. And we, always, we put that out on the, on the Facebook account just to see what the responses would be. And, uh, and we, get, we get responses uh, when, when the question goes out. So quite frankly, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're subscribed to the church's Facebook You'll get a, you might say you'll get a, um, a preview, usually on Friday or Saturday, about what's going to happen on Sunday. And, and if you're the kind of person who, who doesn't like surprises and you want to know what's coming and you want to be prepared, you just tag into that and you'll know. Um, you know, uh, one of the things, uh, I guess, and this is my humanity speaking, uh, you know, that, that makes me want to give up on someone is when they lie to me. They won't tell me the truth. And, uh, but the people who work around me know that I can get pretty disgusted, but I end up not giving up on them. <laughs> and it's just, just but, but I don't know where you've been in, in, your, in, in, your, in your walk with Christ, but uh, there have been times when you thought God gave up on you. Now, this morning I want to talk about be knocked down but not out. And you know, the truth is, is many of us, most of us have experienced being knocked down. Perhaps not in the literal sense, um, but failure, loss, um, things perhaps didn't turn out the way that you expected or wanted them to. Perhaps you didn't get a position on a team. Uh, you weren't selected. You weren't chosen. Um, a relationship that you value crashed. And maybe financial problems, financial ruin. Um, you've been knocked down before, and if you haven't, you will be. How about that? Young people, if you haven't been knocked down, you will be. My, my, my hunch is that we've all been knocked down. Okay? Whether it was because of a relationship, as I mentioned earlier, or, or something that you wanted, something that, that you really wanted, and it didn't come true, it didn't happen. And some stay down, don't they? They get knocked down and they stay down. And they never recover from the loss or what they sense was failure. But others get back up and they go on and maybe have more failures or perhaps some successes along the way. The truth is that failure can be an incredible training tool. Anybody? Okay? I don't know how many times Edison failed before he succeeded with the electric light bulb. I think it was like a thousand times. He tried this and it didn't work. Tried that, it didn't work. The truth is no one ever wins all the time. And everyone gets knocked down at some point and some time in their life. I some of the and, and I'll let me just share this with you. Some of the some of the harder hits that I've taken in terms of my life and what I wanted and, and things that didn't come together and um, were some of the greatest lessons. I found that as long as everything was going well for me in life. I, became, I, I found that I was a pretty arrogant guy. 
as long as, as, as every time I stepped up to the plate, I got a hit. I had a tendency to look down on those who didn't. Anybody else with me there? And it was failure, at least in my own eyes and perhaps in the eyes of others, that brought me to a place of greater compassion for other people. Taught me lessons of depth and love and compassion that, you might say, winning and being on top did not teach me. And as I look back over maybe some of those hard lessons, I wouldn't change a thing. As painful as they were, as devastating as they were, I, in, in, in truth, I would not change them. Now, if, if you're honest, now I'm not saying that every situation is, is, would, would be that way, but if you're honest, you can look back perhaps over your shoulder. I don't expect that you do this a lot. You can look back over your shoulder and see the debris field of decisions you've made. But yet you're standing here in Christ. If you'll look back and you'll find, you'll, you will probably find something good that came out of each and every one of them. The enemy always tries to destroy us, but the scripture tells us that God has a way of making it good. Meant for evil, but God made it for good. Okay? And th- these are just some of the things that take place. Now, um, the background of today's passage is, is the last few weeks. What's taken place in scripture? Well, well, we see the scene of, on Mount of Olives. Jesus, after the, after the event of, of the Passover meal, he and his disciples praying, and many of, mostly they were sleeping, he was praying. The, the mob that came from the temple, the, Roman, the Romans and the temple guard, they came and got Jesus, and the disciples scattered, right? That's what happened that night. I mean... Peter did whip out, whip out a blade and cut somebody's ear off, but Jesus told him, you know, Jesus healed the ear and chided uh, Peter for doing that. And after that, it says that the, the disciples all scattered, okay? And then there was a, tr- uh, then there was Peter, Peter did follow, followed as they took Jesus away, and he denied Jesus three times, as Jesus told them that he would. He told him that before the rooster crowed in the morning, uh, he would find himself in a place of abject failure. He would deny Jesus three times, okay? We know about that. He said, oh, Jesus, even though these guys, they may run away, they may deny you, I'll not deny you, I will die before I deny you. And Jesus said, you will deny me three times before, uh, before the morning comes. And it happened just like Jesus said. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting, as we read the scripture, and we see the account of this, I mean, this brawny guy who was so sure of himself, so powerful. I mean, he was the leader of the team, wasn't he? If there was a leader, a born leader, it was Peter. Yet in all of his strength, when push came to shove, he folded like a cheap suit, right? <laughs> Does he, I don't know the man. Consarnet, I don't know the man. Okay? That's, that's, as, that's as close to cussing as I'm going to get, right? <laughs> I don't know him. Three times. And then the rooster came, stepped up. As soon as, like, it's, it's almost like 
Peter denied the third time somebody poked the rooster. said, you're, you're up. And, and, he, and, he, and, and, he, and he crowed. And Peter realized, oh, no. All of a sudden, he was transported in his mind back to the, to the night before when Jesus said, hey, guess what? Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he went out and wept. He realized what he had done. He went out and wept. Failure. I was the leader. I was the one who said I wouldn't do it, and I failed. And then you find a period of time when you don't hear much about Peter. And I understand that. He's laying low. Once you've, once you've stepped out there and you failed, uh, you become reluctant to try again, right? You get knocked down really hard. I remember I was on the, the island of Okinawa, and I was, I was the metal guy. I was the guy who worked with a big hammer and the anvil. And we were having a party down by the, by the beach. And, uh, and so they pulled out the boxing gloves. So I said, sure, I'll try that. That guy knocked me down in the sand. Just, I mean, bang, I was down. I said, and I just got right back up. I went at it again. He knocked me down again. He had it three times, okay, before I said, you know, I think I've had enough. It's amazing those big gloves will still jar your head. He was just better at it than I was. But there's a point in which, you know, in other words, after I'd been knocked down those three times, yeah, yeah, let somebody else have the gloves. And I think Peter was in that place. Let somebody else take charge here. I've failed. And he's laying low. He's not, you might say, you know, he probably reminded, he, he remembered his own bravado. Remembered how sure he was, how certain he was of his own capacity, and all of a sudden he's not so sure anymore. Failure will do that to you. Right? You get that? Okay. It'll make you humble. Sometimes it'll bring you to the place where you said, I'm not going back there. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to put myself out again. Okay? I understand that. Anybody else understand that? That when you fail, and, 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 and even though the, you didn't, you fail or you, you get knocked down, so to speak, you don't want to put yourself out there again. It's embarrassing. Not only is it embarrassing, but it's all of a sudden you're not sure. I remember as a as early on as a kid, I had this football coach named Doug Cloud. You know, back in the '60s, you know, big guy, flat top. Anybody remember those days? Okay, and and he taught me that I could just run through walls. I was young, thought I could, and so in the league that I was in. Yeah, I was, a big, I was bigger than the other boys. Or at least I was, and I just kept driving. Just, just get on a, four, a three or a four point stance and, and a ball would go and I'd just boom, boom, boom. And I was pretty successful. Well, you know, then, then I moved up in a league. I'm in a four point stance against this guy and I slammed into him and I bounced off. <laughs> I couldn't figure that one out. That had never happened before. So I said, okay, I backed up, got down in my, in my, my stance again, ball went, I boom, bounced off again. I'm just thinking, what happened? what's going on here? I've always been able to do that. After three or four times, wasn't so sure anymore. All of a sudden, my sense of, of, of what I could do and what I couldn't do was, was, had been shaken. 
shaking. I wasn't ready to get down on the four-point stance again. And that's what happens to us. Now, I'm speaking of childhood things and toyish things, and, but some of the stuff that knocks us down are bigger, is bigger than, we've got Peter here, been knocked down. The trial, he's laying low. Through the trial, the crucifixion, and now the resurrection. I don't know what was going through Peter's mind. He was still a leader. They're still looking up to him, but he wasn't all that confident in himself anymore. And he wasn't putting himself out there anymore. They didn't know what was going, to ha- going on or what was going to happen. And then the resurrection came. And then we see Jesus begin to appear to all the disciples here, there, and yon on the road to Emmaus, to, uh, right there outside the tomb in different places here. And let me slip into the passage of Scripture, John 21. And let's read through there, and let's talk, and it's one of the, one of the other appearances of Jesus. And it was significant here, okay? After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. This is where he hung out. This is where Peter and James and John and all those guys fished. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, uh, and two others of his disciples were, were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into a boat, and that night they caught nothing. Let me, let me back up here just for a moment. Let's, he's going fishing. Now, why in the world would he, would he go fishing? I mean, you might say, well, he liked fishing. Doesn't everybody like to fish? You know, he just, well, why does he need a reason to fish? He just liked to go. Well, I think there was more to it than that because it, it had been, at least according to scriptures, he hadn't touched a boat or a net in about three years. Jesus had met him and, and, and the sons of Zebedee along the Sea of Galilee, and, they, and, and he said, look, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their boats and their nets. Pretty dramatic stuff. They had had a change of life, had a change of calling. This is what they had done all of their lives. I mean, uh, Zebedee had had a business. Peter had a business. They caught fish. They sold fish. They lived by that. Now they've been following Jesus for three years. And I think the the sense of failure uh, 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 slipped into this. I'm, I'm not... It made him question everything, made Peter question everything, wondering, you know, what's next? And so what does he do? What do we do oftentimes when when we're not certain of the future? We go back to where we were, right? And that's what happened with Peter. He says, I'm going fishing. Now, maybe it was, was, some would say, well, maybe he was just kind of clearing his mind, get out on the lake, etc. I think that's what he thought he was going to have to do. He was going to, okay, the ministry didn't work for me. I wasn't who I thought I should be. So I'm going to go back and do this. And again, a leader is a leader, and all these guys followed him. Okay? They went out, and it says they caught, they caught nothing. All night long, they caught nothing. Not only can you not follow Jesus very well, you can't even fish, can you? Okay? Oh, ouch. (laughs) Ouch. Fished all night, caught nothing. He knows, he he grew up on this lake. He knows where all the fishing holes are. 
Caught nothing. And when the day, now, when the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know it was, that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you, you do not have any fish, do you? Now, that's, that's pretty interesting. You don't have any fish, do you? And they answered him and said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right hand of the boat, and you'll, you'll find a catch. Uh, you know, and you've heard me talk about this before. I mean, how silly is that? If you're a fisherman, do you really think that the other side of the boat is better than the uh, one side is better than the other? Really? That's kind of like saying, saying, you know, Joe, you're not holding your mouth right. You know, it's, that's kind of a joke. <laughs> Just you're not holding your you're not holding the expression of your face right. That's why you're not catching fish. I mean, you know, it's, it's as silly as that. But see, they understood, and, and let, me, let me go to this. If you go back in the book of John, you'll find uh, that the calling of Peter, and the, the calling on the occasion that Jesus had said to, his, to these guys, said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They were fishing. They'd been out all night long. This is chapters earlier. This is three years earlier. They'd been out all night long and caught nothing. And they were, and so they were probably ready, you know, they were cleaning their nets, mending their nets, and they were ready to hit, go back, and we've been working all night. I need some shut-eye, okay? But Jesus had been teaching there, and they're sitting there mending their nets, they're listening to this, the crowds are there, everybody's there, and, and, and Jesus said to them, look, I want you, to, put your, want you to, to push your boats back out there, and I want you to let your nets down for a catch of fish. Okay, they'd been at it all night. Okay, this was earlier, this was three years earlier. He said, and I love the way it's put here. Peter said, we've been out all night. Now remember, he's got, got a face to put it. Jesus is asking him to do this. People are all around there, okay? We've been out all night, we caught nothing, but at your word, we'll do it. In other words, if I must, I'll do it. Went out there and they couldn't get all the fish. They had to have help to get the fish back, Okay. And that's when Peter fell down at Jesus' feet. And that's when Jesus said, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? So that's three years earlier. So here's Jesus standing again, a similar situation. He said, try the other side of the boat. There was something reminiscent in this scene that caught their attention. Let's read through here. He says, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll, have, you'll find a catch. So they cast it, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore the disciple whom, loved, whom Jesus loved, that was John, said to, to Peter, It's the Lord! So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, probably had a loincloth on, and he threw himself into the sea, but the other disciples came in dragging in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got on, out on land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus didn't need fish. He already had them. Right? So what's this about? He already had them. So, so Peter uh, went up and drew the lantern net full of large fish, 153. Somebody, some people say, well, what's that? I don't know. 153, I couldn't figure out why 150. 
maybe it was enough to, that was, that's how many it took to, to overwhelm the net. I don't know. 153 fish, a lot. And he said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This was now the third time that Jesus was manifest to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So that when, he had fin- when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. And he said again to him the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to, to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had asked him, he had said this a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, where, when you were younger and you used to gird yourself and walk around wherever you wished, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you or dress you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, I'm not going to read any more, but we get the picture here. You know, you could say three times Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus came back and said, do you love me? Now, I love the interplay here, and I've shared this with you before, but because I'm here and you're here, I'm going to share it with you again, okay? And, and here's what was really going on, and, and the, 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 the language is good, but, but the, the truth was, he says, uh, do, you like, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Uh, more than these. And, and more than these. What, the fish? Maybe. Maybe that's what he was talking about. Maybe he was kind of putting his finger in there and saying, 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 gotcha. I don't know. I wasn't there. All I have is this here. Do you love me more than these? Well, that may, that may have gone back to uh, the, the, the discussion the night before Jesus uh, was betrayed. He says, uh, even though these guys, these other, uh, these other disciples leave you and walk away from you, I won't. Do you love me more than these? And he says, you know that I, you know that I like you. That's what he said. Yeah, it's not, you don't see it there. He said, but you know that I like you. And Jesus came back and says, do you love me? He says, you know that, you, that I like you. And he was, you know, again, he's got his head down. He's failed before. He's not willing to put it out there again. He's not sure where this is, all this is going. And finally, Jesus said, do you even like me? He said, Lord, you know all things. And in each time he said, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, do this. In other words, it was re- pulling it back together. Now, I know of a passage of Scripture that came along later that you and I get. It says, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God does not take them back. See, he has the benefit of knowing the end from the beginning. When he calls you, he knew where you would be and what, the, what decisions you would make. I believe that. God calls imperfect people, doesn't he? Truth is, that's the only kind there are. (laughs) When he calls you, he has called an imperfect person. And that's okay with God. 
Because he's kind of like, you know, remember that scene? And let me, let me can I run back to the, the Old Testament? And Gideon, the Philistines owned the land of Israel. They were the, and Gideon was like, he, he's like they would, the, the, the Philistines would come at harvest time and scoop up the harvest. So Gideon's down there. He's got a little bit of wheat. And what's he doing? He's down in a hole, hiding from the Philistines, beating some wheat so he could make some bread, okay? Hiding. The angel came to him and said, Oh, hail, oh, mighty, mighty warrior of the Lord. And, and you and I might, might say, Well, he was just being tongue in cheek because here, here he finds this guy hiding. No, I think that he understood what, his, what, what Gideon's capacities were. And I, and I believe, I honestly believe that God knows who you are and where you will go and what you have in you. The decisions you'll make. And so, on the basis of this, I believe, and on the basis of the principle that God does not take these things back, he said to Peter, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Now, what is, what is that? I was asked the pastor this week, and somebody called in, what does it mean when he says feed the sheep? Well, it's more than just throwing corn in front of people. It's more than that. A shepherd does a whole lot more, and under shepherds does a whole lot more than that. Making sure that there is food, yes, but there's protection, there's prayer, there's leading, there's guiding, there's decisions that are made. So what, what Jesus was saying, he was reinstating. If, if, if Peter ever really needed to be reinstated, I would say he didn't need it uh, in a, from the perspective of God had called him, Jesus had called him, he had commissioned him, but now here Peter was wrestling with his failure. And Jesus had to reiterate. How many times does he reiterate, reiterate to you was so, something that's eternal? I have loved you with an everlasting love that no one can take you out of my hand. Okay? Okay? Neither height nor depth nor principalities nor powers nor things to come, things that are, can, can separate you from the love of God. I mean, come on. These are eternal things. When God does something in you, it's eternal. And the same thing happened, same thing with Peter here. God knew. So what we see here is a restoration. Perhaps all he was doing is he was recommissioning or he was reminding him of the commission that he gave him. You're going to be one of my leaders. And you see he gets it. As you read through the book of, through the book of John and on into the book of Acts and the Acts of the Apostle, you'll find that, that Peter found his, his courage again, but, he, but, but seldom did we see his arrogance flash again. But he found his courage now, principles that we come from this passage, because, you know, I, I think there's got to be a what if, I mean, or, or, or a so what when it comes, to the, comes to the scriptures. And a so what for you and a so what for me. And the story's great, and, and we can have fun looking at what Peter went through, but there's got to be something for you and for me, right? Other, you know, unless you don't want something for you or something for me. But there's, God's, God's got, always got that in mind for us. Let's look at the look at just looking at the passage, and here's here's some of the things that I, I jotted down that Jesus knows all about your shortcomings. He knows the end from the beginning. 
What he does in you, what he has done in you even, even to this point, is eternal. Okay? He, he has placed his eternal spirit within you. He says he's not taking that gift back. That's what the scriptures say. Okay? Now, don't, don't try to parse here with me. This is, this is, this is what the scriptures say. How about this? He is able to and willing to restore. Okay? Able and willing to restore. I remember being on my back plenty of times playing sports, and many of you have too. And it's, oftentimes it's your teammate, right? Comes over and pulls you back up onto your feet, right? Yeah, uh, seldom did I ever get that from the other team. Okay. <laughs> that just didn't happen. They'll, in fact, I've been stepped on a couple of times rather than you know this, okay? God is not only, not only is he able to restore you, he's more than willing to restore you. And he uses, and he uses his people to do that too. Able to and willing to restore you. He is the one who establishes and restores can I say we can't really get back up without Jesus' help, but we've got to be willing to do it? I don't know what your, your, your personal, I, I know some of your personal stories. Many of your personal stories. You can't pastor a place for 13 years and not have some of that. What's, what, do we, what do we learn from this passage? What is God saying to us in this passage? Come, music. You may have failed miserably. I say failed in your relationship with God. I've done that. I failed miserably in my relationship with God in the past. I'll tell you the truth. And, and when I did, I didn't, you know, the, the devil was there. Maybe my own conscience was there saying, you don't deserve a second shot. Or you don't deserve a, how about not a second shot, you don't deserve a 45th shot. <laughs> you don't deserve that. Right? And, and, and reminders of, of, of the sin. Reminders of my mistakes. Reminders of how, how I failed God. And, da, 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 da. And, and, and that's, in other words, I'm on the ground and someone's kicking me, essentially. And I'm laying there thinking, well, yeah, I deserve it. I deserve it. What I see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is the one who offers the hand back up over and over again. What I see in this passage of Scripture is, is that no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel like you've failed, or no matter how you have failed, Jesus restores. And as He li- offers His hand, we need to reach out and take it. Amen? Does that make sense? I don't know what your week's been like. I don't know. I, I, I stumble every week. Anybody with me here? I'm not making excuses, but I stumble every week. Okay? Some of you are perfect, man. <laughs> I stumble every week. And you know what? 
He's there to lift me up. One of the passages, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is this. He said, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's an eternal passage of Scripture. You know that? (laughs) Glory to God! Stand with me. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! That if, if I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. The enemy would take you out of the game. But he can't do it all by himself. You've got to be willing to lay on the ground and stay there. Jesus has always got a hand down to lift you up, to pick you up. Don't you know how much he loves you? Don't you know how much he cares for you? Don't you understand that he knew that no matter what your bravado was, no matter how you, how you thought, well, I'll never do that again, or I'll never fail that way again. Jesus knew. There may not have been a, a rooster in your life that you could hear, but there was one. And yet he stands on the shore of, of your life and says, don't go back. I still have a place for you. I still have an opportunity for you. I still love you. I still care for you. You're still my beloved. You still have a place in the kingdom of God. No one can take that from you. But you've got to choose to take my hand. You've got to choose to take the hand that I'm, that I'm there pulling, you know, I'm there offering. Well, you know, this, we could say, well, the reason I'm preaching this sermon today is because it kind of fits in the chronological theme of the last week was Easter. Now we've got the ascension, you know, Easter, the resurrection. Now we've got Jesus appearing. So that's true. But I think there's something for us here. I don't care who you are. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's eternal. You know, can... can can, can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe that He loves you that much? And what He has called you to do and to be, you can't do it on yourself any, uh, all by yourself anyway. But the commission is there. He says, feed my sheep. I don't know what He's called you to do or what He's, what he's calling you to be. One thing is, is, is to be His friend and to, and to walk with Him in purity, holiness. But He's not going to make you... You can't do that by yourself. I never could. I don't know any, anybody do that all by themselves. Could just kind of gut it out and grit it out. I can't. God restores. Jesus restores. Not only callings, but faith and strength and health. But you know where where that takes place? That takes place somewhere on the ground where you're willing to to look up into the eyes of God and say, I know I'm not done and I know you'll help me up. Let me have your hand. Does that make sense? This altar is open for anyone who wants to talk... Talk to God about restoration. 
You need, rest, you need rest, restoration. Anybody here need rest, restoration for anything at all? Anything at all? Anything at all? I mean, I mean, just come and talk to him about it. That's what this is about. This is an opportunity for you to hear God's word and what he's, what he's saying to your heart. And when he speaks to your heart and it connects, that's when we have to, that's when we get, get either on our knees or we expand, extend our hands to him and say, God, I accept, I accept your deal. <laughs> I accept your deal. I'm not going to lay here any longer. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to worship with you. Amen. These altars are open. These altars are open. For anyone who wants to talk to God about restoration, restoration. I always think, you know, the altar is a, is a good place to be.